So what's up, Restoration family? Uh, we had some technical difficulties this past Sunday with recording our message. So I am coming to you live from Restoration Studios. And by Restoration Studios, I mean my kitchen counter where I am uh, recording this. Um, but wanted to take a few minutes and give a good recap of where we were with our message this past weekend uh, just to give folks an idea, because this is a very important topic for us in terms of our series, Love Your Neighborhood, as we close this out. Um, we're heading into this coming Sunday, which is going to be Love Your Neighborhood weekend, where we're getting out into Lexington, into our community, into our city, and we're serving in practical ways at places like Arbor Youth Services for for homeless children. We're, we're serving at Revive Life House, which is for guys going through a recovery program. We're getting out and, and doing prayer walks. We are doing tons of stuff. And so if you haven't signed up, we'd just encourage you to sign up. There's links all over the place on Facebook and, and how you can sign up for one of those projects. So I encourage you to do that. But what I want to talk to you about right now is something we believe is going to be an even greater impact than Love Your Neighborhood Weekend. As important as that weekend is for us this coming weekend, um, it, it's not really normal to just go out and have these sort of random events uh, that are separate from our everyday lives. And what I think we're going to talk about here just for a few moments is something that's far more impactful than a weekend like Love Your Neighborhood Weekend. And you're probably thinking, what's this preacher trying to sell me? And it's not something you have to attend. It's not something you have to go do or what do you have to buy or pick up a book somewhere it's something, honestly, that, that each of us already have. It's something each and every one of us already possess. It's nothing you need to pick up at Lifeway, not the latest Bible study or trend. Because for us, the most impactful tool we have in loving our neighbors and in loving our neighborhoods is just simply our ordinary lives. Here's what I mean by that. It's, it's awesome and it's impactful to get out and serve in big events like this. But, but like I said, this is not normal. Uh, and we do need experiences outside of our context, meeting people and serving people who aren't like us. But our normal lives are different. And there's an unfortunate side effect to events like this that we're participating in is that it sometimes makes us think that the mission of God is something that's separate from our actual life. Like in real life, we have jobs, we have uh, friends, we have families, kids, sports, hobbies, schools, bills, relationships, struggles, anxieties, all this sort of stuff, just everyday struggles of life. And so when we think about loving our neighbor, in some sense, going to church and getting out and serving these places is something that steps outside of the ordinary, that steps outside of our normal life. It's a good thing. It's something we desire, but it's, it's, separate. it's separate. It's a different world. And, and so we live in this continual tension between our ordinary real life and then the time that I go serve and the time that I go to church and the time that I live on mission. And that tension begins to wear on us because we have limits, don't we? We have limits, there's only so much of us to go around. We have only so much time, only so much money, only so much emotional energy. And to step outside our normal life and to give of ourselves at the very already de de depleted resources of our life, sometimes that just begins to burn us out. And it's, it's not that the desire is not there to go and to, to love our neighbors, but there's just only so much of us to go around. So we have two choices. We can continue in this sort of dualistic reality where we have our ordinary life and then we have our church life. We have the Jesus stuff that we're supposed to do. Or we can actually begin to see that God's activity 
is centered in the ordinary parts of our lives. That's where his mission is longing to take place. That's what we see in the life of Jesus. I I love in Tim Chester's book, uh, Meals with Jesus, he says this statement that's so profound for me. He says, Jesus didn't run projects, establish ministries, create programs, or put on events. He ate meals. So what we see in the life of Jesus is not just loving our neighbor as something separate from his ordinary life. He was meeting people in the ordinary places of their lives, around dinner tables, in ordinary places where they were. He met people where they were. Now, only people that didn't feel comfortable around him were religious people, but it seemed like everyone else just felt at home with him wherever he was. He was just a welcoming person. Jesus made people feel like they could belong even before they believed. And we have a churchy word for this uh, in, in, in the church world. It's, it's the word hospitality. Well, I don't know what you think about when you hear hospitality. I think about old church ladies in a basement. Uh, we, I remember I used to have a, a hospitality committee at the church I grew up in where they decided, you know, what tablecloth and what fake flowers to put on the table for the ice cream socials. So that's not a bad thing necessarily, but I, it's not the most connecting place of hospitality that for me, it's not where I think I can do that. It's a different sort of world, but in reality, hospitality is, is really at the heart of our faith. As you read through scriptures, you see this over and over again, that God wants to make people feel at home with him. He wants his people to feel at home with him. In Genesis, God makes the garden as a place, as a home for humanity to thrive in. In Revelation, God brings this city down from heaven, a new heavens and a new earth, and and it's a place where we live with God and he lives with us for all of eternity. The Bible, friends, literally begins and ends with God giving us a place to belong and to call home. And so as his people... That call is reflected in our lives, that call to make homes for people, to be hospitable to the world around us is reflected in us as image bearers of that very same God. We see it throughout the Old Testament. In the law of Moses even, in Leviticus 19, it says, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. On top of that, in the Old Testament, there's, there's all these commandments in the Mosaic Law um, to, to center their lives around these festivals that helps them remember their story as a people. God has very strong commandments to party, to get out and to have fun and to welcome people and to share meals to remember the stories. There are many commandments in the Old Testament that say you must throw this party and celebrate together or else God is serious about sharing that life and sharing that hospitality of loving one another together that he commands us to throw these big festivals and parties And this continues in the New Testament, too, where we see the life of Jesus and his welcoming nature reflected in the early church, the the church that he founded. We see in Acts 2 where it tells us that all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone in need who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. 
And it says the Lord added to their number daily those were being saved. How was the Lord adding to their number? How are these people getting saved day by day by day? Is it because of some evangelism crusade? Is there some massive event that they're throwing in the temple courts? No. It's simply by the people of God living out the reality of God's hospitable love towards the world around them, welcoming them. People back then saw a love for one another in this community, a welcoming of one another in this community, that they had to be a part of it. And they were showing that love to people that other people weren't showing love to. Rodney Stark is a, is a scholar of, of the early church, one of the most preeminent scholars on that subject. And he writes in his book, The Rise of Christianity, he says, that Christianity revitalized life in Greco-Roman cities by providing new norms and new kinds of social relationships able to cope with the many urgent urban problems. To cities filled with the homeless and the impoverished, Christianity offered charity as well as hope. To cities filled with newcomers and strangers, Christianity offered an immediate basis for attachments. To cities filled with orphans and widows, Christianity provided a new and expanded sense of family. Meaning that all this explosive growth we see in the early church, friends, exponentially across the known world, was just simply driven by ordinary people living, welcoming, loving lives right in the middle of the mess of their stuff. Right in the, the ordinary stuff, not in some special event, just by living their life in a way that allowed people to belong and to believe and to become. We often look at the early church, I think, and think, man, they must have had so much more of God in their lives, but, but that's just not true. It, the reality is, is that God had so much more of their lives available to use for Him, for His glory, for His missions. Their lives were open entirely to Him. In the book of Acts, it says there's 40 miracles that were actually recorded, and, and it's been pointed out several times. In fact, I did a few weeks ago that 39 out of the 40 miracles we see in the book of Acts, they happened outside the walls of the church right in the middle of the ordinary. So it forces us to ask a question, friends. How different would our lives be if we trusted God's movement in the ordinary places of our lives? Not just the church stuff, not just the events. In, in the reality, friends, we have an hour a week or so that we go to a church service, and the average churchgoer goes to church twice a month now, and and, and just say you go to a city group, too. That's, that's a couple more hours a week. That's three hours out of 168 hours a week. And that comes out to, to less than 2% of your week. So, so where, where's God in the rest of it? I mean, is the other 98% of our week, are we, is God just hanging out and kind of planning for Sunday and, and conference calls with the professional Christians getting ready to put, put the wow on for everyone? No. Surely God is active in every area of our life, even the places apart from what we normally know as church. Instead, if we allow Him, God can, he can transform our everyday lives into the primary space for His mission and the primary space where we can love our neighbors as we love ourselves as He's called us to do. And He does this just with simple, ordinary spaces, especially our homes, Think about it. When you're not working or sleeping, where are you most of the time? You're at home. And so why wouldn't that be a central place in God's activity for our lives, our homes? 
Why wouldn't it be the breeding ground for, for loving our neighbors, the breeding ground for loving our literal neighbors? Now, I wouldn't know what, you know, some of you are probably thinking, Justin, I don't have this mansion where the whole world can come over and find this wonderful, expansive spread for everyone to enjoy. I, I live in a small house or an apartment or I live in my dorm room and I don't have a lot of room and it's fancy. And, and let's be honest, my house is a mess. Well, let me let you in on a secret that just needs to get out there, needs to be spoken as, as a word from the Lord. And here it is. Everyone's house is messy. Everyone's. Man, I mean, maybe there's a few monsters out there that are always clean, but, but for most of us, for 99.9% of us, our houses get messy. That's just life. Life happens in our homes. In fact, there was a, a point of, a few weeks ago where I had a friend come over, and our house was just absolutely trashed. They had just kids throwing stuff everywhere, stuff in the floor, glasses of water sitting everywhere, and, and I was kind of embarrassed to let this person come in. And this person comes in, and they say, thank God. And I said, what? And they said, you're normal. Your house looks like a normal person, just like mine. It was just kind of an eye-opening experience for me that... Sometimes we just need to invite people into the mess of our lives and, and let that be a place where they see, yeah, I, I'm kind of like this too. Listen, the hospitality that, that God's calling us to is not a Pinterest post ready for people to arrive. I, I love in a book I was reading a couple days ago about this, they said the goal of hospitality isn't wow, it's warm, it's welcoming, it's an invitation to belong, it's just more about a posture towards people, about our heart towards people than the quality of the environment. Can you make people feel welcome, like they belong, no matter how nice your house is, and, and even no matter how messy it might be? In fact, when I think back of my most hospitable encounter with Christians, I was in this little bitty village in India and we were taking the folks who were on this trip, we were taken to this little bitty church in this mud hut, which was essentially a home that people were living in, and no electricity, mud floors, it's messy, it smells bad because there's animals everywhere outside, but these people made me feel welcome in a supernatural way. There was nothing fancy about it all, but their home and their posture towards me was so, so welcoming. It was one of the most profound experiences of church I have ever had. And it wasn't because of a sermon. It wasn't because of a song. It was because I had never felt so welcome. Friends, our home, no matter how big or small or nice or not nice, it's the centerpiece of God's mission in our world. As Sky Jathani says, he, he says our homes are to be hospitals. Refuges of healing, radiating the light of heaven. And our dinner tables are to be operating tables, the place where broken souls are made whole again. In our churches, people should find rest from their battle for acceptance and release from the lie that they're, they're nothing more than the goods that they possess. So when we lower our defenses, when we remove our facades and begin to truly be present with one another, then the healing power of the gospel can begin its work. Gosh, I love that. It's less about the quality of our environment and more about our posture towards the world. And you know what hospitality is? Hospitality 
is the posture of love. It's the posture of love towards God and towards our neighbors. We see it in Jesus, and Jesus is calling it out in us to have this posture of love wherever I am, at work, at school, at, at, at home, I'm going to be that welcoming presence to let people know that they are loved, not only by God, but by me. That's what looks, it looks like when love puts on flesh, when love becomes reality. It's going to make room for you. It's going to make sure that you have a seat at the table. That's what real love looks like. Paul describes this in Romans 12. He says that love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need. And then he closes by saying, practice hospitality. I love that word practice because practice is something that we do as a repeatable habit to form who we are. If I'm playing basketball, I'm practicing shooting because I want my form, I want my, my process to be something that helps me get better and better at it. And we should think the same about hospitality. We should practice it, practice being welcoming to people around us. Practice welcoming people into our homes. Practice sharing meals with one another. That's how love becomes sincere, just like Paul was talking about. If you hear anything else today, hear this. Loving our neighbor isn't about adding more stuff to our life. It's about being intentional with the ordinary life that God has already given us. This isn't about an event. It's not about a task. It's not about adding something to our already busy schedule. It's looking at our busy schedule and saying whether I'm at home or in my kid's soccer practice, at school, at the coffee shop, wherever I am, I'm going to open my life to God's invitation to love my neighbor just right here where I am. So as we close out the teaching part of, of our Nate Love Your Neighborhood series, I know we'll be serving next week, but as we close out the teaching part, I want to offer some challenges for us as, as you're listening here to help us love our neighbors. As you're thinking through what it means to show hospitality, the posture of love to the world around you, I want to, I want to offer some challenges if you hear this. So number one, I want you to have an, an intentional conversation with your neighbor. An intentional conversation with your neighbor. I don't know how well you love or know your neighbor. I, I, we did a, a poll this past week, and, and almost two-thirds of the folks who answered the poll either did not know their neighbor or did not know them very well. So maybe this is an opportunity, a challenge for you to take that next step and have an intentional conversation with your neighbor, whether that be the person in the apartment next to you or the dorm room next to you or the house next to you or somebody down the street. Whatever door God opens up, have an intentional conversation, something that gets a little deeper than, hey, how are you? The weather is nice. Secondly, I, I just encourage you, I invite someone out for dinner. Somebody here at Restoration, somebody you go to church with, somebody you don't go to church with. Um, maybe that's something over at your home, you invite them to have dinner at your house, or maybe it's saying, hey, let's go have lunch together. Let's, let's meet after church and let's go and share a meal together and get to know one another better. Uh, just take that initiative, step out, even you introverts, step out and say, hey, let's get to know one another, let's hang out and have a meal together. Second, or thirdly, sorry, pray or walk your neighborhood. Pray, pray or walk your neighborhood. Pray through uh, your neighborhood. Walk around and just ask God to give you his heart for the people that you've, 
that you you live next to that got that realizing that God actually placed you where you live right now on purpose whether whatever neighborhood whatever apartment complex whatever dorm room wherever you live you are there because God has placed you there and God desires to use you there so prayer walk through and ask God to open your eyes to the needs around you to the ways that you can show love to your neighbors to the ways that you can serve and invite people into the life of Jesus. And then finally, uh, take a step out and attend a city group. You can go on our website, www.restorationlex.com connect and see all of our city groups that are meeting throughout the week. Um, you can find contact information for the leaders to find out more about uh, accommodations, where everything's meeting. We would love to get you connected to a city group because this is the heart of our community where hospitality gets to take place and gets practiced on a regular basis together. So really high, highly encourage you. If you just do one of those four things this week, that's taking a big step forward in faith of being a person who shows hospitality as the posture of love, as the posture of Jesus towards the world. That's my hope for us this week as we seek to love out our neighbors and love our neighborhoods, and that we would take one of these steps forward in faith, that we would see our calling not just to, to entertain, not just to show the wow, but invite people warmly into our lives to say, you are welcome here. You can belong here because God has invited me. I want to invite you. I want to show you his love. So let me pray for us, and I want to pray for you wherever you are listening to this, that God would open up those doors to show love, that you would receive it yourself, and then as you receive that love from Jesus, that you would take the initiative to step out and do it as well. Let me pray Father, thank you for this example of the life of Jesus who was always making people feel like they belong. Many of them who did not believe, but Lord, as they walked into those places of belonging, you shaped belief into them. And for many of the relationships we have in our lives, God, that's the way it's going to work. People will not believe until they feel like they can belong. And God, that's hard, I know, but, but help us to see that that's the life that you're calling us to, to make people, no matter who they are, no matter what their background is or where they're coming from, that we can be a welcoming presence to them, whether it be in our home or just in the ordinary places of our life. God, help us to see that that hour on Sunday that we spend together is so important, but it is not the sum total of your presence in our lives. You are active and at work always in the ordinary places all around us, in our homes as we're doing laundry, as in the busyness of our kids and our jobs, wherever we are, you are active and at work, and you're just asking us to open our eyes and to be open to what you want to do, to show love for our neighbors right where we are. Jesus, we love you. Continue to call us to this as a family, as Restoration Church. We love you and thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.